I've got some really good news for you today. God never gives up on you. One time there was a guy who was going up Okoy. Many of you have been up through that way. And he got lost. He got over there in that Reliance area. And he drove around for some time trying to find his way out of there. And as he was driving along, he saw a little boy walking down the road with a fishing pole over his shoulder. And so he pulled over and he said, Son, do you live around here? He said, Yes, sir. He said, Well, can you tell me how to get over to Benton? And the little boy said, No, sir. He said, Can you tell me how to get to Cleveland? The little boy said, no, sir. He said, can you tell me how to get to anywhere? And the little boy said, no, sir. The guy got kind of frustrated. He said, son, you don't know much, do you? He said, no, sir. But I ain't lost. What <laughs> <laughs> happens when we get lost? What happens when we find ourselves naked in the garden, aware of our nakedness? Keep laughing, that's good. <laughs> that's why I like having children in the service. That's a sign of sanctity. What's it like when we're naked in the garden that God has provided for us, but we're hiding because we're lost? Many of us know how that feels because we've been in those situations where we haven't chosen to be there, but because of whatever's going on mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, we find ourselves where we want to cover ourselves up and even hide from God, and we're lost. And we don't know what we're going to do. One time when I was a little boy living with my grandparents, when my dad was in Korea, my mother and my brother and I lived with my grandparents over in Kingston Springs, Tennessee. Anybody ever spent their vacation in the heartbeat of Cheatham County? <laughs> uh, I was like seven, and uh, I decided I was going to climb the old, old oak trees in my grandmother's yard, and so... When I did, I took a chair off the front porch and so I could reach the bottom limb. And when I kicked up, the chair fell over. And I was stuck in that tree. My brother and my cousin came by. They wouldn't set the chair up for me. They just laughed at me because I got to crying. And finally, grandmother came out and made him help get me down. But you know what? I can still feel what that, how that felt being stuck in that tree. Knowing I wasn't going up and I sure as heck wasn't going down. And I was stuck. That's how lostness feels. And some of us may be at that place now. And what I want to say to us, because all of us, some of us may be going through some things right now that are life-altering, life-changing, or even life-threatening. 
and we find ourselves feeling lost, stuck in the garden, and, and, and asking the question, God, where are you? But the story in Genesis, and really the story of the Scripture, is about our human lostness somewhat. But you know what the greater theme of Scripture is from the beginning to the end? Is that God never gives up on us. Because even when we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, when we find ourselves lost mentally, physically, relationally, spiritually, or emotionally, God continues to say, Randy, where are you? Bob, where are you? Where are you? Put your name in there. Where are you? It's the searching love of God that we, in, it's in, through the searching love of God that we find a way to be found and delivered from our lostness, from sin or from those human conditions that cause us to feel stuck in a tree that we can't get out. There's another text I want to bring to our attention this morning, and it's from the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke in Luke 15. And some would say that Luke 15 is truly the gospel within the gospel. Because Luke 15 is a story of, that Jesus tells of three situations of lostness. He tells about a lost sheep, he talks about a lost coin, and he talks about a lost son. But we forget that the beginning of that text starts with these words. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's where Luke begins the story of these three situations of lostness. A sheep that gets separated from the fold by nibbling itself away. Piece of grass over here. Some water over there. Some shade over here until it nibbles itself to lostness. And a woman who loses one of ten coins, they're so precious. The coin didn't mean to be lost, but it was lost. And it meant so much to this woman who had so little. And then the story of a son that was willful in getting to a place of lostness, by asking his daddy for his inheritance and then squandering it and getting to the place where he was willing to eat the slop of pigs. All three of these stories talk about lostness, but it begins by Jesus saying, by, by Jesus realizing that people were grumbling about him. Now, I sometimes do a little study when you go through Scripture and see when it mentions grumbling. Because grumbling always precedes gossip, 
Grumbling always precedes judgmental behavior, and grumbling always motivates Jesus to do something for somebody else. And here they began to grumble because he would eat with tax collectors and sinners. And it was the religious folk that was getting the hard time. It was those who did not understand that the searching love of God was, is inclusive and builds bridges where our idea of love is exclusive and builds walls. I'm going to say it one more time. The searching love of God is always inclusive and builds bridges. The kind of love that we often extend is exclusive and builds walls. You know, we live in a great, great country. Dem democracy and freedoms. But we are so polarized right now. We are so dug in to our agenda, our political per persuasions, our ideas, that we're so dug in that we exclude those who don't think like we do. When I was a pastor at Hickson United Methodist Church, we were there for 12 years, so they had to put up a lot with me for 12 years. Um, one, one, uh, one, one year during the fall, it was before one of the presidential elections, and I don't remember which one it was, and I'm never political. I don't talk about politics in the, from the pulpit, but during this uh, sermon, I was referring to my granddaddy, Ernest Lampley, again in Cheatham County, Tennessee, Kingston Spring. And I said there were three things that motivated granddaddy. One was he was a Christian. Two, he was a Methodist. And I've inherited that from him, too. I was hatch, match, and be dispatched as a United Methodist Christian. <laughs> and that's the way granddaddy was. And the third thing was he was a Democrat. And I made the comment, just off, didn't really think about it. I said, that was okay, that was when it was okay for Christians to be Democrats. <laughs> and spontaneous applause broke out in the congregation. Never had that happen before nor since, and probably won't happen again today. But spontaneous applause broke out, and the next day, on Monday, a newsletter article, and I had people call me, and they were Democrats. That's the way to stick up for us Democrats. Way to go. And the Republicans would call me and say, that's the way to get on those Democrats. Way to go. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know what? We take, we take those kind of politics more seriously than we do our own our discipleship. And uh, I wrote an article about it. But I was thinking about that today. When I was thinking about this idea of lostness and how we can get lost sometimes in things that uh, cause us to build walls and not bridges between us. And this is one of the areas where we politicize. We want to know where somebody stands so we'll know who we can grumble about and know who we're against. Uh, and that's one of the things that, I, that this kind of thought about 
God building bridges through the kind of love and searching love that he gives us, this is the kind of thing that can help us, I think, not only as uh, patriots, but more importantly, as Christian disciples. Patriotism and discipleship are not the same thing. And sometimes we get confused about that. We are called to be citizens of a different kingdom. Jesus said, I have come to announce the kingdom of God is near. So in a lot of ways, this, this discipleship kingdom business is political before it's anything else. And the only way that I know to change the way we relate to each other in polity, in politics is to realize that a searching God who never gives up on us doesn't expect us not to give up on each other. Not to bring us to all thinking the same, but to loving the same and caring the same and knowing that there are people who are lost that need to hear the good news that God does not give up on them. Whether it be like a sheep that nibbles itself away. How many times have I heard people say to me, I don't go to church anymore, I just got out of the habit. I used to be more spiritual, but I've gotten out of the habit. I've nibbled myself away. And many times we nibble ourselves away to lostness. And we get to a place where we don't intend to be. We're stuck like in a tree. And we don't know how to get out. And we're lost. And all the road signs have been torn down. And we stand at a crossroads and wonder if anyone cares. And the good news is, the really good news is, that the God of all creation, the God that we sing, How Great Thou Art, the God who has given us life and liberty, that has given us who we are, never gives up on us. Never gives up on us. God is like a woman that looks, after, looks for the coin that's so valuable until, they, until she finds it behind the chest of drawers. But the greatest, one of the greatest images of God in a searching God, this God that never gives up for us, comes from a, a story I heard about the prodigal, the story of the prodigal. This artist had been saved, had, had accepted Christ as his Savior. And so he was talking to his pastor, and, and he said to his pastor, he said, I want to do something. I want to do a, an art piece that represents how I feel about this God that loves me and the God that I'm giving myself to. So he worked diligently on this painting. And finally came the day that he was going to show it to his pastor, and the pastor uh, said, what's it depict? He said, it depicts the story of the prodigal. 
because that's how I identify myself, coming back to God. And so when he uncovered the painting, you could see the boy as he was coming back from a distance. You could make him out. He's coming back in tattered rags because he'd been had been down with the pigs and now has arisen and gone back to his father and coming down the road and you see the father standing waiting for the son to come ready to greet him uh, and the father was dressed in his robes but as you look down you notice something different about him. he had on two different shoes he had on one red shoe and one brown shoe and the, and the, the pastor said to the artist what, what's this about? He said, well, I'll call it the God with one red shoe. <laughs> he said, well, what's that about? He said, that morning when he got up, just like every other, the lights have shone again. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He said, that morning when he got up, just like every other morning, he looked out the window to see what he could see. And this morning he saw the sun it looked like his son coming down the road, and he got so excited that he put on one red shoe and one brown shoe to run out to meet him because he was so anxious to see him. Brothers and sisters, when we turn away from our lostness, God can't wait to welcome us, even to the point of wearing one red shoe and one brown shoe. I used to have trouble with my socks. I'd have one black sock and one blue sock. Now I just wear black socks. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> but this guy had more than one pair of shoes. But he didn't care what color the shoes were because he wanted to kiss away and love away the lostness of his son. I don't know where you are today in your journey. I'll be honest with you, I'm going through some things personally, Patsy and I, with, my, with some health issues with me that, that I'm coming out of it, but I felt kind of lost. Being kind of lost in some family situations that you wonder what's going to happen. So I'm reminding myself, as well as reminding you, that God never gives up on us. And you know how we know? Because we have a table. It's around the table that Jesus invited the sinners and the tax collectors. It's around the table that Jesus makes a way for all to come. Uh, again, when I was a pastor at Hickson, one, one Sunday morning we had uh, received Holy Communion. And the next day, one of the teachers at one of the local schools uh, overheard a conversation between one of our little boys and another little boy, and she shared it with me, and this is how the conversation went. One little boy went to a different church, said, we, we had the Lord's Supper at our church yesterday, and our little boy said, we did too. We, had, we call it communion. We had communion at our church. And the little boy said, you know, at our church, we don't get to take communion. And our little boy said, well, our church, everybody's welcome. Even us kids. He said, that's just the way we roll. <laughs> Every time we worship together, we worship around a table. 
And today we have the opportunity to come to the table, even those of us who are lost. And you know why? Because God's saying, where are you? Where are you? You don't have to hide naked. You don't have to hide scared. You don't have to hide thinking, I don't care about you. Where are you? Join me at the table. Some may grumble when you come, but I welcome you so much that I'm even willing to wear two different color shoes to let you know how much I love you. And so today, brothers and sisters, remember that God never gives up on you, on me, on us, on the world. Because God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes on him should not perish and be lost, but be saved. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.